0: So something to think about spiritually along with your hot dogs and burgers and cookout celebration. I want to give you a little bit of spiritual food along with the natural food to think about on this holiday weekend. And actually I do have a a theme. It's nothing fancy, but it is about freedom. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. So I'm actually going to pray really quick and then we'll begin. Well, Lord, I just thank you so much for this opportunity and just being with family today on this weekend. And I pray God that you would speak to all of our hearts, to my heart, to everyone here, Lord. I pray that you would feed us, God, and give us exactly what we need to know or understand to deepen our relationship with you and to take us to a new level of intimacy with you, a new level in our calling. Uh, Whatever it is that you want to share or impart, I just invite your Holy Spirit and ask that you fill us to overflowing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to start with a picture. I may just pass it around. I don't know if you you all can see it. We're going to talk about freedom in our culture, in the American culture. And this is a picture of a woman being proposed to and i don't know if you can see she's taking a selfie up here as she's being proposed to like oh thank you and she's got the camera and he's proposing and he's got the phone and he's taking a selfie of him proposing to her how fitting is this right for our culture and i'm sure the next step is what facebook right so um this is this looks like Probably a good example of getting ready to embark upon the American dream, right? You have two people who are in love. The way they're dressed, they look successful. And you can just envision what kind of dreams they have for their life and what lies before them. Dreams of a house and a family and all these things. This is this is a picture of the American dream, okay? So can I, can everyone see that? Great. All right, so we are going to turn together to John 8 because that's our foundation, our foundation scripture. Okay. Okay, so John 8:31. And this is where Jesus is having a conversation with the Jews <coughs> about freedom. And it says, I'm reading from the King James Version. Then Jesus, then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed in him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and never were in bondage to any man. How come you say you shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you will be free indeed. So, when you think about this weekend and celebrating Independence Day, if you could just pick one word that would um, exemplify Independence Day, what would it be? Freedom, right? That's probably the one word, if you could pick, to um, describe what we celebrate, it's being free. And so, what does it mean to be free? That was the question I was kind of mulling over as I was praying about what to talk about. I was thinking, you know, wh- what does it mean to be free? And what I sort of um, came upon or stumbled upon in my studying is that freedom has, I think, two distinct meanings. And so that's what I hope to, um, to bring across today is that there is an American freedom. There's, a, there's an American, there's a natural freedom that we celebrate as being Americans or living in America and celebrating this holiday. And then there is a biblical or spiritual kind of freedom that has a little bit of a different meaning. And so I want to talk about that and I want to see kind of where you find yourself or maybe where you sort of lean in terms of your identification. Is it with more American natural freedom um, or is it spiritual Christian freedom, and what does that mean and look like? So I'm gonna start with a definition. Webster's defines freedom as independence. Not being held down, making one's own choices, and enjoying the rights of an American citizen. So it has a very individualistic, independent feel to it when you read the definition from Webster's about what freedom means. But it's interesting when you study out freedom and kind of look at the context biblically of what that means, it's a little bit different. The Bible defines freedom as deliverance. It talks about being delivered to no longer be a slave. Um, And so when you start to kind of unpack that and look at the context around what that is talking about, you'll find the meaning is essentially... About being free or being delivered from sin and so this is the message that Jesus was trying to get across to the Jews you know in chapter 8 when he's saying to them the truth will make you free that's what he says to them and they're confused and they're saying I don't know what you're talking about we're Abraham's we're of Abraham's seed We're, we're already free we're not in bondage to anyone and Jesus begins to elaborate on that and says, if you commit sin, if there's sin in your heart, if you commit sin, then you are not free. You are a slave to sin. And that is what he is trying to help them understand. And then he gives more of the biblical definition for freedom, right? He says, if the Son shall make you free, that's when you're really free. When the Son makes you free, when Jesus comes and he sets you free from sin, you are truly free. So, um, the difference between American freedom, independence, the American dream, and biblical freedom. So, are there any history teachers in the room? <laughs> I started to unpack, you know, a little bit of Independence Day and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go there because I didn't do very well in history. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> <It's cool>. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm not going to give too many facts cuz I might I might mess up and one of the history teachers is going to call me out here. So, I'm just going to stick with the basics. Andrew, you can let me know if I say something wrong here, but okay. <laughs> So just to give a little backdrop, which most of you probably already know, and if you were good at history, then you know even more than me. But that Independence Day is essentially uh, the freedom that the, thir- the first 13 American colonies had from British rule. And um, there was a war, and they you know, obtained freedom, And one of the main elements of that freedom was a document that they drafted up called the Declaration of Independence. Am I right, Andrew, so far? Great, okay. So the Declaration of Independence, it is the assertion of an independent nation. And one of the most famous lines from this document is, and what it promotes, essentially the Declaration of Independence for the American person is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That's what we celebrate as Americans, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what this nation was founded on, this document, this assertion. And I think, I don't know when, you know, the whole concept of the American Dream started, but it's attached to this document, because when I kind of researched it online, And I was looking, what is the American Dream? It sort of, you know, tagged it to the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And a basic definition for the American Dream is that for everyone, anyone and everyone, life should be better, richer, and fuller for everyone that wants it to be. And that's what this is, right? A better, richer, fuller life, they're embarking upon the American Dream. And I thought to myself, really, is that what, is that what we as believers are promised? And I kind of wrestled through this and we can kind of wrestle through it together. We as believers, are we promised a life that's better, richer, and fuller? A life of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when we're looking at natural freedom, American freedom versus freedom in Christ, the American freedom, apart from Christ. So we're just looking at the average American apart from Christ and just what freedom means to the average person. It's about living the life that you choose and doing whatever makes you happy. And you kind of see that in our culture, right? Just this example of doing whatever makes you happy, living the American dream. We have shows such as American Idol and The Voice, and I really felt like, and just with Facebook and everything, I kind of felt like the cultural message that's out there now is that anyone and everyone could be a star if you want to. You know, all you have to do is go on a show or, I mean, they even have, um, my roommate was telling me, teasing me, and saying, we should go to Charlotte because they're drafting, they're doing interviews for the next bachelorette or something like that. <laughs> 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 so, I know. I won't. <laughs> so, you know, everyone can be on TV. They've got reality shows. I think this is falling off. Um, reality shows. Everyone can be a star. Everyone can be on TV. And that is the pursuit of, you know, the American dream. I even think about if you listen to cultural, you know, music, secular music, there's a lot of, like, I don't know if you've heard Megan Trainor's new song, It's, I don't know all the words to it, but she talks about, you know, every day, I know you want to be me. I'm not surprised that you're jealous that you want to be me. Every day I wake up thinking about me and, you know, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) So then her song and then, oh, Katy Perry. Have you heard that Aphrodite song? It's make me your Aphrodite. It's all about Aphrodite was a Greek goddess who was worshipped in the Greek culture. So if you listen to the words, it's really powerful. Like she's basically saying, make me your Aphrodite, worship me, adore me, bow down before me. And these cultural messages are being inserted, you know, this freedom, this independence, this worship me, this um, message that everyone can be a star, everyone can be famous, and that's what you should pursue, right? It's not just these messages put out there, but there's this encouragement that we should pursue this path the pursuit of happiness, and happiness, so-called happiness, meaning being famous, being on TV, being a star. And so let's kind of break down the three pillars of American freedom. If we're looking at American freedom, let's kind of break down these three pillars. And I want you to, as I'm talking through this, because I'm going to talk about, elaborate more on the American freedom again and Christian freedom, and I want you to think about where do you lean? Where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself more in this um, notion of being an American and being free to follow the American dream or do you find yourself more in the Christian spiritual um, path? So the first one, the first pillar is life. Okay, so life, if you were to ask the average American, what what does having a good life mean to you? They would answer something with success. Um, it's important to be successful. To have a good life means to be successful as an American. So that means that I'm going to spend my time and my money on, you know, buying a house, a car, buying stocks, being able to take vacation, having a good life for my family. I want to just preface that I'm not knocking any of this. I'm not saying that these things are bad or wrong. I just feel like there's something that the Lord wants to get across, and I'm not fully Sure, even what that is. I feel like it's for me as well as for you. And so as I unpack this, I want you to just be listening to the voice of the Spirit to what He's saying to you as to what He's saying to me because I feel like there's something He wants to impart. And it's not saying that these things are bad or wrong. It's just um, let's just take a look at this together and see and examine our hearts and kind of see what the Holy Spirit is saying. So if life to the average American is about success, again, that's about um, saving up money to get a house, a car, family, stocks, vacations, living a good, successful life. The, the second pillar of American freedom is liberty. And when you sort of unpack that word and take a closer look at that word, it actually has a sense of pride attached to it. Um, and the average American is proud to be an American. They're proud of what we fought for and what we won and what we have. And so there's the, you know, the good pride that's attached to being a, a free person in this country and the benefits that we reap and have from this country. And yet there is the tendency to kind of move towards this pride of what I was talking about a minute ago with you know, Megan Trainer and Katy Perry and then there's this, there begins to be this focus on me me first. This is about me. Um, And I want to tell you all about me, and I want to show you pictures of me, and I want to take pictures of me and put them on Facebook. And so there tends to be this tendency to lean towards pride and to have a self-focused kind of liberty or freedom. Then the third pillar According to the Declaration of Independence, is the pursuit of happiness. And so this is pursuing what makes me feel good. Um, Whether it is climbing the corporate ladder and making more money, whether it's pursuing the desires and ambitions that you know feel good to me, feel good to my family. Um, it's this pursuit of happiness and more. And and if we're not careful, it can sometimes begin to lean over to what looks like, you know, covetousness and striving and trying to attain more things and comparing that with other people and what they have and looking at what you might not have and then just continuing to feed the flesh and the desires of the flesh, which can also turn into just this this, um, desire for more. The pursuit of happiness, I guess is what I'm saying, can easily turn into the desire for more and begin to look like a path of striving to get more. So that's the American dream. Those are the three pillars of American freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now we're going to look at the three pillars of Christian freedom. And I'm going to... Draw this from two scriptures, from an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture so that you can kind of look at them now, but also on your own if you'd like. Um, So we're going to turn to Micah 6. Micah 6 and 8. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The three pillars of Christian freedom. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. We're going to draw a parallel in the New Testament. And we're going to take a look at... Mark, <clears throat> Mark 12. And this is uh, the great commandment. So Mark 12, 30 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So these are the two um, verses that I really felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to share as it relates to Christian freedom. Which I called, this is me, not the Lord, the Declaration of Christ. (laughs) Um, instead of the Declaration of Independence, the Declaration of Christ, D-O-C. Because this really is what Christ is saying is where our freedom is found as Christians. And so um, let's just take a a peek at what that might look like. So for Christian freedom, doing justly is uh, really about salvation, justice is is doing what's right, and Christ invites us to do what's right by coming to him first and foremost with the gift of salvation, and that's what he gives us as, as believers. So really the first pillar then for Christian freedom is salvation over success, and so that is what we are encouraged and called to really stand on is just remembering salvation and what that means to us and elder michael did a good job of elaborating on that before we took communion together just about what that means that christ that christ came to set us free that christ set us free from our sins and that's the real that's the true heart of what we're celebrating in addition to our independence as a nation we are really celebrating the freedom that we have and the gift of salvation and that Christ has come to set us free and delivered us from our sins. The second pillar of Christian freedom is to love mercy. That's what Micah, Micah 6.8 says. The second part of what God requires of, the, of us is to love mercy. And so loving mercy really then is about others it's the opposite of selfie. <laughs> it's the opposite of self first. It's about being merciful. And what does that mean? That means to be kind and compassionate towards others and to look for opportunities to bless others instead of, you know, this whole idea of just being blessed and sharing my blessings with the world and what that looks like. It's about how can I find someone else that needs to be blessed and to be merciful to them, and to, to share Christ's love with them. So the second pillar is loving mercy. And the third pillar um, in Micah is to walk humbly with God. To walk humbly with thy God, that is what it says there. And so how does that compare to the pursuit of happiness? Is that really what God calls us to pursue, or does he call us to pursue his will? I really believe that as Christians, we are called to pursue the will of God. And sometimes that is not always a happy process, or there might not be a happy outcome attached to that necessarily. And so um, I was really struck by what Paul said. In Philippians, if you want to turn to it, you can, but uh, this was really powerful for me when I was thinking about the pursuit of happiness and what does that mean for the believer and um, walking humbly with God as as sort of the opposite or opposing idea to that. And in Philippians 3, Paul said, in verse 3 and 7, he says, What things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ, yes, doubtless, I count all things but loss for me for for the I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but dung that I may win Christ. And so Paul here is saying, you know, he talks about the things that he had gained prior to that. I'm not going to go into all of that now. You can read that on your own. He talks about all the things that he had gained (coughs) in his pursuit of happiness and being a Jew, that, you know, he observed the law and kept the commandments and, you know, all these things as a Jew. You might think that, you know, I have this, I have that. Um, he was a Pharisee, you know, all these things that he had, all these things that he gained. But when he came in contact with Christ and began to understand the freedom of what it means to follow Christ, he said, then all things I count those but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I count those things as dung that I might win Christ. So to me, that is the opposite of (laughs) the pursuit of happiness, essentially, Or maybe a different kind of happiness, because now his joy is rooted in Christ, the one that saved him and set him free. And so now he has a joy that cannot be moved or shaken, and it it is apart from things. It's apart from having things. It's apart from pursuing things. It is a joy that's found only in Christ and um, knowing Christ and experiencing the healing and power and deliverance of Christ. So walking humbly with God is the ongoing pursuit of God's will, not the pursuit of happiness, but what God is calling you to do, what he's requiring of you, what he's asking. And that's the paradox of Christian freedom. Because with American freedom, there could be this sense of happiness, right? Because if it is the pursuit of happiness, then you're going to go and do to whatever means you need to, to to be happy. And then if that means divorcing someone and marrying someone else or, you know, switching careers or, you know, um, making more money—it's just whatever you know, whatever I whatever I can do to make myself happy, right? Um, but the paradox of Christian freedom is that you're going to suffer if you are walking with God, and sometimes suffering doesn't feel like freedom. I have wrestled with the Lord over this, and I said, Lord, I do not feel free. I feel trapped sometimes, <laughs> call you know, being called to serve you and not pursuing the American dream and not pursuing the things that make me happy, that's hard. It is hard to bow your knee before the Lord and say that you're going to follow him and serve him all of your days, even if you do not attain the things that you want or even if you've been praying for years for something and it hasn't come to pass or you have lost something dear to you, a child or A relationship with someone, um, and you have suffered the loss of all things, and yet you're going to still walk with God, but that's what we're called to do as Christians, and that's the paradoxical freedom that we have, because then our freedom is not really in happiness and in, in obtaining things. Our freedom is being rooted and grounded in Christ and who he is and our relationship with him. So, you know, the paradoxical part of that is that you will suffer, and that's part of the walk that we are called to as believers. So let's do a little brief kind of comparison of American freedom versus Christian freedom. American freedom started with victory. Christian freedom starts with surrender. American freedom pays allegiance to many gods and idols. Gives you the freedom to do that. Your choice of gods, your choice of idols. Christian freedom pays allegiance to one God, and that is Jesus Christ. American freedom pursues happiness at any cost. Christian freedom pursues the cross at any cost. Where do you find yourself? Where do we find ourselves as individuals and as a church? Pursuing victory or pursuing surrender? Pursuing many idols or pursuing one God? Pursuing happiness or pursuing the cross? So, today I want to challenge and encourage you on this Independence Day, um, in between, before, after you have your hot dog and your (laughs) sparklers and all that, to just take some time to refocus on your freedom in Christ and to ask the Lord to share with you what that means for you. Um, I have a couple ideas or ways that you're welcome to do or to come up with some of your own, but three things that came to me as I was thinking about how to do this. How do we we refocus on our freedom as Christians, not just American freedom? And one way is to just you know, if you found yourself more in this Americanized kind of path of just pursuing happiness and pursuing yourself and focusing on yourself, one way to shift that is to by is is by rededicating your heart to Christ. Um, first and foremost, if you haven't chosen salvation, if you haven't chosen the Lord as your Savior, that would be the first step. But if you've already done that and you kind of feel yourself being swayed and pulled down this spiraling American cultural <laughs> path, um, one way to kind of draw yourself back is, is to rededicate your heart to Christ and ask him to place with, within you a hunger again, a hunger for spiritual freedom over the sense of American freedom and happiness. And some of that is confessing, just confessing the temptations that you're experiencing or the lusts that are drawing you um, to this other path, confessing those things to the Lord and asking him to ground your heart back in him and place this hunger inside of you for him again. Rededicate number two would be to reflect. Reflect on the word, Um, the declaration of Christ instead of the declaration of independence and Allowing yourself to meditate and absorb those scriptures about what God is calling us to do. Justice, mercy, walking humbly with our God, the greatest commandment, loving the Lord thy God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love my neighbor as myself. Sometimes I will insert me or I into the scriptures to make it more personal and real and to turn it into a confession. And so one, one way to do that is reflecting on the word and confessing the word out loud and reflect on the things of God um, instead of just the things of the world and what the world is saying and calling and asking of you. And then thirdly is to revive the passion for the calling that God has placed inside of you. I remember when I was a new believer, I was so zealous for Christ. You know, as a new believer at 25 years old, Um, I got saved in my bathtub, I was by myself, did I tell the story? I always joke that like, if I would have known about baptism, I could have just dipped my head back in the water, because I was in the bathtub when I read a tract and gave my heart to Christ, and so, um, I was so zealous, you know, and thinking, um, and just in a very charismatic charismatic church, it was a great church, but very charismatic um, African-American church, I love, it's still my home, my pastor's still my father, and uh Lots of, you know, messages on the promises of God and just what he's promised you. And I just kept thinking, you know, this and this, and I'm going to have this and this, and I'm so excited. And (laughs) I got about 10 years in, and, you know, my family's still not saved, and some of those things haven't manifested. I don't have my own family. You know, longings, desires, things that haven't, because of my obedience to follow Christ, you know, along came the suffering part that I wasn't fully aware of. You think you count the cost, but you can't really fully count the cost. It's almost like marriage in some ways, I think. I think. I don't know, but, when <laughs> you know, you think you count the cost. You think you say, yes, I am ready for this. And then about five years in, ten years, you know, it's like, ooh, I didn't realize this is what I signed up for. Well, that's what it's like <laughs> as a believer. You're right. You're right. Great. That's what it's like as a believer, you know. And so um, sometimes we have to ask the Lord to revive that passion so that we're not like the sheep that go astray and we're not like the seed that's planted on soil without roots because the world definitely wants to draw us and wants to give us a more tempting path and more tempting options. And so we have to say, Lord, please revive the passion For my calling, if I could be like Paul, if I could say, I count all things, everything I've lost, I count it, but dung that I might win and serve you. If I if only I could say that, I mean, to me, that is amazing. That is just the mark of a mature believer who's walked with the Lord in the face of suffering, who has counted the cost and is still counting the cost and is still walking with the Lord. And we have we can have that joy, we can have that passion. We can. We just have to ask the Lord to revive it because there's so many distractions in this world and so many things that pull us in different directions that we constantly have to ask the Lord to say, Lord, revive it. Um, Just like in Hebrews 12 and 2, we have to run with patience the race that we've been called to run. And, And in that scripture, it says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the suffering. So if you're If you're on a path of suffering, I encourage you to endure endure um, the suffering and continue to be obedient, to remain obedient um, to the will of God and to continue to walk humbly with your God, Jesus, for the joy that is set before you, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, really it's rooted in our relationship with him, really. That's what it's about, the joy that comes from our relationship with God and the ways that only he can fill us. So rededicating your heart, reflecting on the word, and reviving your passion for the calling and uh, whatever part of the journey that you may be on. And that's what I ask or encourage you and leave you with today as it relates to American freedom versus Christian freedom. And uh, I'm just going to close in prayer, if that's all right. Well, Lord, I just thank you so much for this Opportunity to delve into your word, God, and just to be reminded of what really matters Um, on Independence Day. That, yes, we celebrate our freedom as a nation and what that means. But more importantly, God, we celebrate our freedom in you as Christians and as believers. That you have delivered us from sin, God. And we thank you and praise you for the gift of salvation, God. And and wherever our hearts have turned from that, wherever our hearts have been drawn to lustful things and to the pursuit of happiness over the pursuit of your will, I just pray, God, that we would confess that and ask for you to restore and revive our passion for you so that we can say like Paul that we count all things as dung, that we might win you, God, whatever that looks like in, in each individual person's heart and life here. God, only you, Lord, can speak. And I pray, Lord, your word says your sheep know your voice, and I pray that you would speak specifically to each person here to let them know if there's anything, any block in their joy, any block in their obedience, um, any hindrance, God, I just pray, God, that they will continue to run the race with patience and not give up, continuing to surrender, trusting that for the joy that is set before them, they will endure the cross, God. And I thank you and praise you for refilling all of us and reviving our passion and our calling for you today. In Jesus' name, amen.